Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Father, thank you today that your word is truth, your word is light, your word is life, and your word brings health. We invite the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us into truth this morning as we encounter your word. Let revelation knowledge flow into our lives, illuminate our minds, and cause us to be strong in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series we've entitled Perfect, and uh, we're going to continue this morning as we study God's word. And the subtitle this morning is we want to talk about the subject of being fresh. You know, the perfection of everything is in Jesus Christ. The mystery of holiness and sanctification is that all the perfect qualities and attributes of Jesus are at our disposal. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 to 29. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present everyone perfect in Christ Jesus. Verse 29 says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me mightily. So we see that Paul was saying that he was laboring to preach the word, to build up the body of Christ, but he wasn't doing that in his strength. He was doing it according to the working of God in his own life. You see, a new or further revelation of Jesus every time you enter a new season or about to go to a new level of growth or when you are facing your day of evil will keep you fresh and cause you to arise to the occasion. Let me give a, de- a definition today of the word fresh from a dictionary. The word fresh says, having its original qualities unimpaired or altered, such as being full of or renewed in vigor, to be refreshed, not stale, sour, or decayed, not faded away, not worn out or rumpled, not altered by processing, to remain pure. In addition to this, the word fresh carries the idea of a new beginning or a new start. It says to be original or to be vivid. We also use the word fresh when we're referring to someone who is inexperienced, new, or raw, like the the fresh kid or the new kid on the block. And finally, you're going to love this one. Millennials use the word fresh as a slang word for being cool or fashionable. I remember when uh, I was a lot younger during uh, my schooling years, and I'm part of Generation X, I remember we used to use the word fresh uh, when we wanted to get to know a girl that we liked, we'd, we'd, we'd kind of chat her up or, or, or say cute little things and, and trying to get fresh with her. And so, yeah, I know I'm giving away my age right now. But uh, let's remember this word fresh 
as we weave our way through the teaching this morning. Because I believe God wants you and I to not only be refreshed, but to be fresh in our relationship with him and with those around us. In Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, it speaks in regards to this from verse 1, and it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The word arise here in the Hebrew, it means to stand up, to be tall, or to be powerful. It means to confirm or to be relevant. It means to be proven, persistent, and established. The word shine here in the Hebrew means to illuminate, to shine on, or to light up. In other words, it's painting this picture in our minds. To stand up and to stand out. Now remember, in the Old Testament, every Hebrew word had a picture and a numerical value attached to it. And the picture graph of these two words means this. It's a picture of a box that would be used to store items as to keep them in order. In other words, it's telling you and I that for in order for you and I to stand up and to stand out, we need to be in a place of light which brings order to our lives. To remain fresh, we need to change our posture and a position. In other words, stand up and stand out implies that I'm going to change my posture and my position so that God's light shines on me and through me. And as we meet every new challenge, we need to position ourselves in this way. It goes on in verse 5 and it says this, Then you shall see and become radiant. And your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles will come to you. Notice that as a result of them being radiant and standing up in the light of God, it caused a joy in their lives that actually caused them to arise and shine. It caused them to be fresh and so what happened is that word radiance speaks about an attractive quality, like a magnet. It would draw all the good things of God into our lives. David spoke about it like this in Psalm 34 verse 5. He says, they looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. You see, crisis demands transformation. And transformation produces transition. When we allow the Holy Spirit to facilitate us through this process, it takes us into our new season, it takes us to the next level of promotion, and we have a freshness about our lives that is radiant. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 
The Apostle Paul spoke about this in verse 17 and 18, where he says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God wants to take us from glory to glory. Again, in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, a a slightly different expression, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Church, we're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to go from faith to faith. So for the believer, as we stir ourselves up to dig into God's word, as we continue to pray in our heavenly language, worshiping God, we're making room for the Holy Spirit and he'll lead us in to that fresh revelation that begins to transform us. What fresh revelation? A fresh revelation of Jesus, a fresh revelation of the Word of God, a fresh revelation of the direction that the Holy Spirit is prompting us and bringing into our lives, a fresh perspective of how to do things and deal with things in our lives. With that in mind, let's turn to Revelation chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to paint a bit of a picture this morning that I believe and am trusting will, will inspire us and encourage us and refresh us through the Word of God. In Revelation chapter 1, and we read the first three verses, it says, the first three verses, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants, notice it's plural, not singular, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Now notice The book of Revelation is a revelation of God and how he'll wind up this earth, the completion of dealing with Satan and and the fallen angels. But I want you to know firstly, and it's quite clear in this first chapter, that firstly we need to recognize that this book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, the book of Revelation will not make the necessary sense to you and I if we don't first see it as a revelation of Jesus Christ, of who he is, of what he is, and that in him and through through him, everything consists and exists. That is so important to you and I staying in a place of being fresh. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And notice it speaks about being a witness to these things. I was also encouraged when I, when I studied this 
these few verses that, that the word shortly, you know, sometimes when, when we see the word shortly and, and we see for this time uh, that is short, sometimes we have this picture that it's going to be a quick thing and it should happen. And then our mind starts to drift off into these kind of thinking patterns which say, well, you know, that was written nearly 2,000 years ago. If it was in the short time, it should have already happened. And it can lead us to really trying to reason the word of God or, or even uh, become discouraged because we try and, uh, you know, figure things out in our own mind and own ability. But this word shortly here simply means that it will happen in a quick time. It will happen, uh, it, it's urgent, it's going to happen in a short space of time, and it will happen speedily uh, when the time is right. I want you to also be encouraged this morning that it says something so clear here in this last part of verse 3. It says, blessed is everyone who reads, who hears, and who keeps the words of this prophecy. So let's dig into that this morning, and, and let's, let's start off right away by following on in chapter 1. And suddenly we'll see the next thing that happens after these verses is there are seven incredible descriptions that reveal Jesus Christ to the church and to the world. Now remember, we're doing the series Perfect, and we said that God's number for, the, for, for perfect in the Bible is the number seven. And isn't it interesting here that here is seven descriptions of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, we get a perfect picture of who Jesus is, which empowers us to stay fresh and vibrant because we start to see ourselves perfect in Christ. Let's read on in verses 12, and let's dig into the Word of God together this morning. In verse 12 it says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, or that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Please notice straight away here in verse 12, it says this, that I turned to see who it was speaking to me. How I many of the word turned implies this, changing my posture and my position. The individual turned and he leaned in and then what he saw was he saw in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now we'll see later in chapter 19 and 20 that the seven golden lampstands uh, represent the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And that that lampstand tells us that we are to be the lights in a dark world. And notice something very, very powerful this morning. Jesus, one like the Son of Man, Jesus was standing in the midst of the seven lampstands. Jesus is in the center of his church. And he wants to be the center and he wants to be the highlight of the body of Christ. He is the only one this morning whom we should shine our lights onto. It goes on and we see, it, it speaks about the clothing of the Lord. And right away we see here in verses 13 that the clothing of the Lord here symbolizes his priestly royalty before God. In other words, he is the only one 
representing mankind. He is the mediator between God and man. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 14 it goes on and it says his head and hair were like white like wool, as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. This speaks symbolically of eternity, that, that eternity is real, that we don't just exist here on earth, but that eternity is a place that is real. Heaven is a place that is real. But it also speaks to us about his unending wisdom and his omniscience, which simply means he is all-knowing and all-understanding. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is all-knowing, all-understanding, and he has unlimited wisdom. In verse 15 it goes on and it says, His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. The fine brass here speaks about and confirms that Jesus is immutable, unchangeable, and omnipotent. The word omnipotent means he is all-powerful. So we've seen that he is all-knowing, and now it reveals that he is all-powerful. The many waters speak to you and I about his commanding authority as the ruler of the armies of God. Uh, You know, there's a scripture that says he is the captain of our salvation. He, Jesus, is all-powerful, and he is our commanding officer. It goes on in verse 16, and it says this, He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in all its strength. The seven stars here speak about the angels of protection for the church, and those angels of protection actually speak about the fivefold ministry or the messengers to the church of Jesus Christ or of the body of Christ. And we'll speak a little bit about that just now. But I want you to notice something. We have a picture of the church. We have a picture of the fivefold ministry who in Ephesians 4 it says, Jesus, when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men for the work of the ministry sorry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It is so important today more than ever before that we recognize that we are part of the body of Christ, that we are part of the corporate church around the world, but we need to be connected to a local church. And I want you to know right now, I know with the online services, with not being able to meet face-to-face each week, it really stretches people. It stretches them in so many ways. But we need to make a decision to stay connected to the things of God, to stay connected to the church and the local church where God planted us, and to stay in fellowship with each other in whichever means we're able to do. Now it goes on here and it speaks about his right hand and his right hand speaks to you and I about being sustained and being protected. Philippians 4 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory through or by Christ Jesus. 
So it speaks about Jesus being our sustainer and our protector. The world today is trying to tell us, get into panic, be fearful. You know, the, the economies of the world are crashing, and, and these are real things that you and I have to face in reality every day. But we do it from a place of remembering and having a faith and a strength that God is the one who sustains us. Jesus is our protector. And then it goes on and it speaks to us about the two-edged sword. And we all know that that speaks about the living, the spoken, and the revealed word of God. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The description here of the Lord's countenance suggests to you and I his indescribable, unfathomable glory and majesty. There's a picture of this in Matthew 17, verse 2, at the Mount of Transfiguration, where it says, literally, the face of Jesus shone like the sun. It goes on in verse 17 and it continues with these seven descriptions of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, his hand of sustenance and his hand of protection. And he said unto me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. When we see him in his perfection, in his completeness, and we recognize who he is. We might be afraid like John was, but it's not a, it's not a fear, it's an afraid which speaks about a respect and a reverence and a worshipful attitude because this is our Savior, our Lord, our King, the all-knowing, all-powerful one. But we see Jesus' hand on us and Jesus says to John, do not be afraid. You see, fear melts in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are reminded that he is the first and the last. And we saw in the beginning of this picture of Revelation that he's right in the middle as well. He's the beginning, he's the end, and he's everything in between. Church, we do not have to be fearful. We do not have to be scared or worried about what's going on around us because Jesus is our Lord. He's the commander of our salvation. And then finally it goes on here in verses 18. And and let's just read verses 18 together. It says, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of Hades and death. He, he wanted to speak to us this revelation that we'd, that would hold us in our hearts because it'll keep us fresh. It'll keep us sustained and it'll keep us bold in our faith. It says this, he rules over the realms of death and life. Satan's power and the satanic influence because of man's rebellion might not be completely stopped yet, but it has been curbed. It has been restrained over those who are the children of the Most High God. That's why Psalm 91 is powerful and it will work in the life of the believer as we appropriate it through grace by faith. 
And so it speaks to you and I again to encourage us that while Satan uh, has, uh, has control of the kingdoms of the world and Ephesians 6 speaks about the spiritual warfare, we're reminded that we are in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, yea, all things have become new. You know, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, it speaks into this particular point. Let's read it together. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give for indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Isn't that beautiful? He does not give aid to angels, but he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. That's you and I. God wants to give us aid. Isn't that incredible? And that we no longer have to be subject to the fear of bondage because of death. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For For in that he himself, verse 18, has suffered, being tempted. He is able to aid those who are being tempted. How does he aid us? He aids us because he recognizes the frailty of our humanness, the struggle we have in our, in our souls and in our thinking, and he comes to our aid when we're tempted. I don't know what's tempting you right now. I don't know if you're tempted to be discouraged or to give up or, or whether you've been tempted in an area of sin, but God, through Jesus Christ, is able to aid you in that situation and that circumstance. You know, so many people today, even in the church, are, are speaking about the book of Revelation, and we're in this part of Revelation, and we're in that part of Revelation, and Jesus is coming then, or he's coming there. But you know, before any of that takes place, we need to have a clear revelation of the perfectness and completeness of Jesus, our Savior, and that he literally is in control. The enemy might have sway. The enemy might have his day. But I want you to know Jesus has won the victory. And it goes on in verse 19 and 20 and it says, Write these things down which you have seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now this is what I want to ask you to just think about this week and meditate on. Firstly, it says this, Write down the things that you've seen. We've got to write down the things that we feel God is impressing on our hearts as believers. Number two, it says write down the things which are, the things which you've seen, the things which are, the things you know God is talking to you about, and the things which will take place in the future. In other words, have a vision in front of you. Don't let your vision go just because there's darkness and challenge all around us. No, your vision needs to shine even brighter. And then notice what he says. He explains and confirms that the seven stars in his right hand 
were the angels to the seven churches. And that word angels actually speaks about his messengers. And it refers to the fivefold ministry. It refers to the pastors and leaders of the churches. And then the lampstand refers to the seven churches. And so I want to encourage you today to realize that you and I need to stay plugged in to the local church where God has placed us, where we were born again, where we've been connected so that we can continue to flourish. It is so important today more than ever before for the body of Christ to come together and to fellowship with one another, to encourage each other. Take time this week to phone someone and speak into their lives. Pray with them over the phone. Get connected to the church online. You know, if I can just speak a word of encouragement, but also a word of of discipline and and boundary setting into our lives as well. You know, there's so many incredible churches and preachers online that you can go and watch right now. And I would encourage you to do that. I mean, I do that myself. But you also need to know where you've been planted, where God has placed you in your local church and stay connected to that pastor and to that leadership because he will have a word that is for you for this season because God has anointed that ministry for your life and you have been anointed for that ministry in your life. And so it says here in Hebrews 1.13, it says, but to which of the angels, that same word, has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You see, God is going to bring this all together and all the enemies of God and of the kingdom of God will be made Christ's footstool. Now the Bible says this in Ephesians, you and I are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how many of you know if the enemies of God are going to be at his footstool, which is under his feet, even if you're the pinky toe on the foot of Jesus, Satan is still under your feet. So you see, when we have this revelation of who Jesus is, when we have this freshness in our lives, you know what happens? Just five things that will happen in our lives. Number one, we remain deeply grateful to our Father for Jesus Christ, for his church, and for each other. Thank you, Lord, for the relationships in my life. Number two, when you're fresh, you're always aware that his blood, the blood of Jesus is more powerful and it drives away darkness, it drives away sickness, and it drives away the plan and strategy of the enemy. Number three, when you stay in this place of fresh revelation, you're reminded that God's love is unconditional. And you're in a place where you can not only receive that love, but that love can flow through your life towards other people. Number four, when you stay fresh and you stay in this revelation of Jesus Christ in your life, it strengthens your trust and your faith in God flows out of that towards the things you're trusting God for. And what that does is it displaces worry and it silences the unbelief that will try and come against us. And number five, when you stay fresh in Christ, in the perfection of who Christ is in your life, you're able to keep real joy alive. Because you see, joy is not reliant on having the right circumstances or the right thing under your control. Joy comes 
from your heart because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. I know plenty of people today who think and who do have everything, yet they are not content, they are not joyful, and they're not happy. Look what Psalm 119, verse 105 in the Passion Translation says. Truth, truth's shining light guides me in all my choices and decisions. The revelation of his word makes my pathway clear. The wise person is the one who builds towards perfection in Christ. Although we may not yet be perfect, we are daily growing into who Christ would want us to be. As you're there right now, would you bow your heads and let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray for every person right now that they will experience and sense your love working in their hearts. That your peace will will rest upon them and rise up within them right now in the name of Jesus. If there be any person listening to this that might be bound by fear or struggling with sickness, Father, I release them now in the name of Jesus Christ and I speak and declare a word of healing, recovery and breakthrough into their lives, into their marriages, over their finances, into their family in the name of Jesus. If you're listening to this or watching this today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. It would be such a privilege to lead you in a prayer based on Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 10. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life or you want to rededicate your life, would you simply pray this prayer with me? Pray it aloud and just be sincere and genuine. Say, Father God, I believe Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross of Calvary for my sin and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my life today as my Savior. And I thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to send you a Bible if you don't have one. So if you'll simply send us an email at info at ramasouthcoast.com or go to our website and you can send an email from our website. We would love to make contact with you. If you have a testimony to share, if you have a prayer request, shoot us an email and we will gladly pray with you. And we'd love to share your testimony with the rest of the family of God. God bless you. We love you. Don't don't forget to connect with our social media and you can find out all about our small groups and the different things we're involved in during this time. God bless you. We love you and have a powerful week. Don't forget, this coming Sunday, we'll be having and sharing communion with you again in your home. God bless. Bye-bye.